Hello everyone, my name is Andy Summers, and welcome to episode 21 of Reviving the Soul. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arphaxad, two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arphaxad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arphaxad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Sarug. And Ru lived after he fathered Sarug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Sarug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Genesis 11, 10 to 32. Now before we dig in and begin to pull out some application, there are just a few observations that I would like to point out. First, and most importantly, we need to recognize that the first ten and a half chapters of Genesis focuses on God's interaction with humanity as a whole. We have seen how God created everything, and we have seen how God chose a few men such as Adam, Seth, Enoch, and Noah to represent him in a world that was spiraling out of control into darkness. Now, the pinnacle of this darkness culminates at Babel, where mankind seizes autonomy and they declare their independence from God. God then intervenes, confuses their languages, and forces them to fill the earth. But in the second half of chapter 11, five generations from the fiasco at Babel, Moses zeroes in on the family of one particular man, Abram. Now the genealogy leading up to Abram is significant because it lacks the refrain, and he died, as we saw in the generations of Adam in chapter 5. Now I believe this is intentional, considering that the genealogy in chapter 5 leads to the heart of God being grieved and therefore executing his justice by flooding the earth. Meanwhile, in chapter 11, we are led to the man through whom God will bless the nations. Another interesting note to point out is that this genealogy ends with the names of the three sons of Terah, just as chapter 5 ended with the three sons of Noah. This pattern indicates that we are tracking God's intentional plan to save his people just as he did through Noah's family. Now, Abram came from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, and according to the book of Joshua, Abram and the rest of his family served other gods. And history tells us that the ancient peoples of Ur were primarily moon worshippers. They built great temples to the moon god Nana. Ur was located between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers near the Persian Gulf southeast of Babel. 
It was a sophisticated city with a working government that had strict laws. They had technology, writing, and education. And because of its location at the Gulf between the two great rivers, it was also a center for commerce and trade. It was in this city that Terra's second son, Hiran, died. Now, we are not sure of the details surrounding this event, and there is lots of speculation that includes the possibility of sickness, murder, or maybe even child sacrifice. In any case, none of this can be verified. But sometime after Hiran's death, Terra decided to take his son Abram and Hiran's son Lot and their families and relocate. Abram and his brother Nahor were married. Abram married Sarai, who we are told was unable to have children at this point, and Nahor married Milcah, who was Haran's daughter. Now the scripture tells us that Terah, Abram, and Lot settled in Haran, another great city in modern-day eastern Turkey. Nahor is not mentioned in the move to Haran, however, later in the book of Genesis we read that Nahor's family eventually ends up in Haran as well. Now the second half of chapter 11 sets the stage for Moses' epic story of Israel. He's preparing to explain to these freed slaves how they got there, what their purpose is, and how Yahweh has orchestrated everything that has happened to them thus far. And this epic begins with a man named Abram. The Bible tells us that Abram was a friend of God, and history tells us that there is no other single man in history that can boast of having the three most major religions in the world traced back to him. Christians, Muslims, and Jews all trace their heritage back to this one man a few thousand years ago who trusted in the promise of God and was obedient to his call to be a blessing to the families of the earth. If there is one thing that we can learn from Abram, it is that this man was a great man of faith. Now, he is human, and he certainly has his failures and flaws of which we will see, but according to the author of Hebrews, Abram exemplified faith. In fact, it was his faith that saved him because it was counted to him as righteousness. He didn't earn his salvation, but the effectual call of the Father who drew him granted him the faith to believe in God's promise. Although Christians cannot claim themselves to be direct descendants of Abram, we do claim the inherited promise given to Abram through the work of Jesus Christ. According to the Apostle Paul, those Gentiles who have repented of their sin and have trusted in the gospel of Jesus have been grafted into the vine of Abram. Throughout the remainder of our time in Genesis, we will continue to learn of Abram, the covenant that God makes with him, and the journey on which his family embarks. We will see God sovereignly working in this family as he places them in certain locations at certain times in order to bring out particular outcomes. We will actively see God's grace, his judgment, and his love. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Reviving the Soul. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to leave a donation, please follow the link in the show notes. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Psalm19Revive. And until next time, apply all of Scripture to all of life.